lot of these people will end up bringing in our company to go in and work with the schools and the students and to develop the youth presence in this, because that's one of the sectors that's really important, getting young people involved in the work because they care about what each other think, you know, a lot more than what they care about, you know, what the adults think about them. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLamb, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, We'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us, and let's make a difference, one youth at a time. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast. I'm your host, James McLamb, and I'm here with my new friend and our guest for today, Jake White. How are you doing today, Jake? James, I'm doing great, man. Yeah, how about you? I'm doing excellent today. It's a uh, brisk day here in North Carolina, but we're enjoying ourselves. Jake, our audience hates when I am telling them about the guests. They would rather hear from the guests themselves who they are, what their passions are and their interests. So if you don't mind, introduce yourself to the Generation Youth community. Sure. Yeah. I'm Jake. Jake from State Farm. <laughs> Actually, I, don't, <laughs> I can't Long say color that. shirt for that. It needs to be red. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm Jake from Vive 18 or Vive Dieciocho, however you like to say it. But basically I'm a co-founder of our company that helps students make friends, have fun, and feel good without using drugs or alcohol. And so speaking engagements across the country, uh, helping students host events, developing curriculum and leadership programs for students, all that kind of fun stuff to really empower students to make great choices. Say that mission again, because I like the way it was worded. And I think that just Got someone excited as they were listening there. Yeah, helping students uh, make friends, have fun, and feel good without mind-altering substances. So how did you get connected with this? How did this passion start with you? Yeah, it kind of started as a personal problem for me. And as you probably know, James, like most great ideas, they start with a problem or a complaint. And for me, it was, you know, growing up in this town called Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Oshkosh Bagash. Yeah. So you have? Oh, well, look, I had Oshkosh uh, clothing when I was a boy. My mom would buy that stuff. So, yeah. Yes. Right. So you can thank us for the overalls and the baby clothes. <laughs> yes, that... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Blue jean overalls. Oh, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to age myself, but you opened that door. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. So I grew up there. And as you know, Wisconsin is a big drinking state. And I think that everyone kind of thinks that they're that way. But beer was kind of rooted in the identity of our state with the brewers and the packers and stuff like that. So me having lost some family to addiction and, and seeing what it could lead, I had made this decision that I wasn't going to drink or smoke or use any drugs. And it to make a long story short, James, it didn't get weird until I was in college. Mm. That's when it was like, wait, Jake, you don't drink like at all ever? This is college. This is Wisconsin. What are you doing here? <laughs> Like they looked at me like I was some sort of alien. And I remember the complaint in my head was, dang, like, why am I being outcasted for making a healthy decision? I want to live in a world 
where you can make your own choice. You can do what's right for you and not feel isolated for it. And I believe that alcohol is one of the few things in our culture that like you're kind of ostracized for making that healthy choice. Yeah. And so I wanted to be part of the change. I wanted to be a part of bringing a culture around to say, hey, you know what? Do what's best for you. And if you're making a healthy choice, like let's celebrate that. And yeah, I started throwing these uh, what I called sober house parties on my college campus in Wisconsin and having hundreds of students attend these parties, getting sponsored by Red Bull and Pizza Hut and Chick-fil-A at Subway, all these cool brands supporting us, giving us money and food, gift cards and anything we'd ask for. And eventually students from around the country would ask me, hey, I want to do this. Like, I feel like I'm the only one on my campus who wants to make healthy choices and have fun. But it looks like you found some people around you that want to do that too with these parties. How can I do that? And that kind of launched our whole movement of Vibe 18. And when I started it, it was called Party.0. And we've kind of shifted over to this new brand with Vibe 18 that incorporates education, you know, training, and then the events. So that's the that's the short version, man. Well, let's look at each one of those missions that you have there. They're training. What kind of training do you do? And who, what are you focusing on? Yeah. Well, the, the basics come down to this. If you look at, if you look at our field of drug prevention is the problem that students are saying that they're using for is things like stress, mm -hmm. uh, things like peer pressure, you know, fitting into popular culture, dealing with their mental health. And so at the root of all of those, there's this core of self doubt. See, because if you, if you doubt yourself, you're more susceptible to peer pressure. You're more susceptible to the influence of culture and others. You're more susceptible to making a risky decision to try and deal with your mental health or with that stress or anxiety. But if you do have confidence in yourself and your abilities, then you can become an influencer instead of someone who's influenced. You can develop these healthy decisions and coping mechanisms. And so the core of our training really starts on you know, overcoming that self-doubt, building confidence, and then building your influence on who you are, what's your identity, who do you want to be, and how you want to influence the world. And in our specific scenario, the training involves throwing drug-free events, because that's a great way to build confidence and to influence your community and practice all of these things that we can teach you. So that, that's the main thing too, is like getting to practice these things. It's not just head knowledge, but you're doing it and it's becoming a part of who you are. Um, so, yeah. I know statistically wise that alcohol use is lower than it was just 20, 30 years ago among youth, among those under the age of 23. And I know that that also holds true for uh, most drug use. Uh, I think marijuana is a different issue now because the legalization of it in so many places. So if it's lower, if drug use is lower, if, if, if alcohol is lower, is this a problem that are, are we still seeing it as a major problem among youth? Absolutely. And just because alcohol use is lower doesn't mean that drug use is lower. So we're seeing a shift in our generation where we went to school, alcohol was the drug of choice. Mm -hmm. Now it is more cannabis products, you know, THC and marijuana products. So um, even vaping, like you introduced this new nicotine that, you know, pr previously it was cigarettes. And now they've repeated that whole playbook to get a whole generation hooked on vaping products and nicotine. And so 
the problem, unfortunately, we're just seeing like a repeat in history of the same issue, but with a different type of drug. Um, when it comes down to it, I believe the problem, like the drug isn't the problem. It's creating a ton of problems, right? Because as everyone knows, it influences your health. It stunts your brain growth. Uh, it destroys your relationships sometimes. It can take over your your interests. Like if you are interested in basketball, you're a student that's interested in music, sports. The more you use a drug, it retrains your brain to want that quick hit of dopamine from that drug instead of that healthy dopamine that you got from you know doing those things that you loved. So when, when I think it comes down to it, drug use and alcohol use is the same thing because alcohol is a drug, uh, but it's just flipping what's popular amongst students. And as you know, adult guides along these students, it's really about teaching the students to take skill sets instead of shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Like we're using this to deal with the problem, but what if instead of taking a shortcut like a drug to try to feel good now and escape the pain, what if we actually viewed it as this is a problem, this is something that needs help, let's develop a skill set that can be a sustainable way to deal with the problem, not just a quick escape, and then we get our problems right back. You know, the three points that you mentioned that, that you see drug use, causing drug use, stress, the peer pressure, and the mental health, I would say peer pressure for my generation, uh, for Generation X and even maybe older millennials, is what spurred people to be a part of that peer pressure of, hey, come and join us. You want to be cool. You got to join the party group here. Uh, that that kind of atmosphere. It was actually the opposite of peer pressure that caused me not to get involved with this because there was a young lady at our high school that I wanted to go out with. And she was like, I'm not going out with anybody who does any of that kind of stuff. And so I was like, nice looking lady, hanging out with these guys who are losers. Nice looking lady. Hmm, that didn't seem like it was a... This thing, like it was too big of a choice for me. And that kind of carried over because we, we also dated so many in college, uh, first couple of years of college before our, our past diverged. It carried over into college. So it was not a part of who I was. It, it was not a part of what I was in my, the social thing that I was doing. So I, I did his peer pressure off with. Is peer pressure still the top function or is it because we're seeing they need some kind of retreat? They need that, that that hit to try to cope with life now, which do you think it is? Or is it, you know, is there, is there one greater than the other one? Yeah. Well, if you look at the studies, so like university uh, of Columbia did a study with, with students and parents, they asked the parents, uh, how many of you believe that your student would use drugs in order to cope with stress or anxiety? 7% of the parents said that they believed their student would do that. They also studied the students. Of those that did use drugs, 70% said that the number one reason was to deal with stress and anxiety. So there's a big misconception and like, yeah, well, my generation, it seemed like peer pressure. But if you ask the students, the number one reason is to deal with stress. This, this feeling that they're wanting to escape or try to deal with, that's why they're saying that they're using. Which if you look at our generation now, we're obsessed with our feelings. We, we're guided by them. We think it's like the number one thing is that I need to feel this way mm -hmm. instead of our commitment to our culture and making the world a better place and our impact. Yeah, those things are still important, 
but our culture is obsessed with the way that we feel, you know, do what feels right. Do you speak your truth, that kind of stuff. But so that's why when you ask a student, they're like, yeah, my, my feelings, I got to deal with them. But now check this out. I don't think peer pressure is gone because it's the pressure of all the students around you. If you say, if you see a majority of the students or what you think is a majority of the students that are using drugs to escape that feeling, there's this internal pressure that says, wait, I'm not doing that. Am I weird? Am I odd? Am I the one who doesn't get it? Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. Oftentimes peer pressure isn't actually from the outside. It's in your own head. It's you looking out there and assuming something. And so that, yeah, that's the big misconception. I think it's both. Wow. That, that is a great point that, that it's not actual outside physical or verbal peer pressure. Hey, Jake, come and party with us. Hey, you're, what is wrong with you? Are you just some kind of weirdo? It's more, uh, I'm seeing everybody else doing this. I need to do that as well. Wow. Yeah. And the wild thing is the majority of students, like according to the youth risk behavior survey, the majority of high school students actually do not use any drugs. And I think in this study, they include alcohol and cannabis products. Mm -hmm. So the majority are choosing not to, but if you ask a student, they will probably tell you, oh no, the majority of students do use drugs. Like they think everyone's using, and that's not the truth. The truth is it's a majority, but just because our, you know, in the media and popular culture, we glamorize all these substances. So the people who use are loud about it. And the people who don't think they're not cool, they're not being loud about their healthy decision. And so that's what I'm, I'm super passionate about, like celebrating students who are making great choices so that they can become leaders and, you know, develop some positive peer pressure around this movement too, to say, you know, like you did, like you had someone who said, no, that's not cool. I will never date somebody who does that. That's some good positive peer pressure right there. We got to thank whoever that young lady was. <laughs> I don't know that she was trying to influence me as much as she just set the standard and I had to uh, adhere to it, but it was uh, pressure uh, that, that I was seeing at, at that point in time. And by virtue of that, uh, later in college, when I, when I met my, my wife of, of, of 30 plus years, she was kind of that same mindset. So if I had been in that world, I never would be in the position of, of meeting her and, and having the family that I've had now for 30 some years. So, you know, it's, a, wow. it's, a, it is a, there is nothing to be said about the positive peer pressure, even if it's unintentional positive peer pressure, you know, some, somebody not actively uh, doing that as well. So let's talk to the parents that may be listening to us and, are concerned that their child may be vaping. Uh, is it because I'm from my perception, vaping seems to be the entry drug now, yeah. where it was smoking in previous generations. Vaping seems to be the entry drug, then maybe migrating into cannabis, not as much as alcohol. Cannabis, it seems like that's a little bit an easier avenue, um, especially uh, with so many you know, hemp stores opening up on every corner now across the United States. So let's speak to them. How can, what, what do they need to be on the lookout for uh, with their young person living in their house so that they can know whether or not there's a problem? Yeah. The main thing you're looking for is changes, abrupt changes. 
uh, whether that's changes in grades, changes in their interests, in their friends. These are all signs that, I mean, <laughs> a change represents a change. So, so what caused this? Um, another thing to look out for too is like, if students like to doodle, you know, they're in class, they're drawing stuff or, you know, they're bored. Uh, look for those drawings. What are they drawing? If you start seeing mushrooms and weed leaves and all that stuff, like there's a reason for that. People don't draw that if they're not into it or if their friends aren't doing it. I hadn't thought about that. Um, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> your clothes too. If you see if uh, your students are starting to wear a certain brand of clothes, look up that brand. Look which influencer, you know, is promoting it and stuff. Like you can get a lot of clues. Don't just let something get in your head with curiosity and then just let it escape and say, oh, it's probably good. Get curious uh, about your about your students. And I like to share just like a practical thing to know if your student is changing. It really takes intentional time, you know, whether it's over dinner, in the car, to ask them questions, be super curious about their life. There's one study that showed that families that eat dinner together, their students are four times less likely to develop an addiction. Wow. I thought that was so curious, but it made sense because the family feels connected. They feel supported. And if you needed, you know, help or to set up a boundary, like you have that connection uh, to go ahead and set those up. So that's, that's super, super practical that anyone can do. So if they do get a sense that something is happening, that their child is maybe vaping, maybe they've seen some signs of that. Now, what are some steps that they can do to intervene to help them? Because I think the immediate thing that's going to happen so often is that overreaction that, you know, oh my gosh, you're, what are you making stupid decisions like this for? Are you crazy? What are you, you're killing your chances of doing, you know, I see that. I, you know, I have two that, I have three children and my oldest two are in their early 20s now, 23 and 20. And I know what it would have been like if I had had that experience with them. I would have overreacted to them. You know, I would have, I would have you know, in high school, you know, that would have been a big, big deal uh, for that. So, you know, what are some things, some, some suggestions that you have to help a parent? Okay, I think I'm, I'm pretty confident they're doing something. Now, what do I do? Do I, you know, yeah. scream and yell? What do I do? How do I, how do I handle it? <laughs> Yeah. So this, this part, and I will be completely honest with you, James, this is not my, my expertise in the prevention. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the tail end. So I'll, I'll tell you what I've learned. Oh, good. I've learned that to, to get through to a student that your, your body language and your tone says more than what you say. So the key would be just like you mentioned, we're not yelling at them. We're not getting into an hour lecture with them is the things that when you think your students are tuning you out, that's like, don't go there, right? They, they hate it when we lecture them. They hate it when we are yelling at them. And the thing to know about the human brain is when you sense a threat, if someone is yelling at you, your fight or flight response initiates. So your body goes into either this mode of shut down, I'm not gonna be hurt by this person, by them yelling at me, or I'm gonna wanna leave the room, fight or flight. Oftentimes that means if you've got a strong-willed kid too, they're going to come back at you and start fighting with you. That's obviously not the response that we want. So instead, we want to stay really, really calm. Again, I love this word curiosity. Get curious. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, I, I found this in your room or I saw this. Can you please explain it to me? 
and and get curious like what happened um do you think it's a good idea to do it are your friends using this uh what's it doing for you because when it comes down to it somebody who is using any sort of substance has come up with the reason why they want to do it and if they're still using it it's either because they think it's working or they're addicted mm. if it's working or if they're addicted yelling at them isn't going to solve it so it's it's getting them to know that you're on their side you're running with them and for you to show that you care and for me it would just be like to emphasizing hey i love you and because of that i'm going to set up some boundaries <laughs> like if these are the friends that you're hanging out with to get drugs like we're not doing that anymore we're going to get you some help and i'm going to hold you to these boundaries that we're not using these drugs anymore no matter how difficult it is and i've had some of you know my my friends uh, who are parents that are like drug testing their kids wow oh yeah and i was at first i thought that sounds crazy but when she explained it it's like this is my child's life we're talking about here i will gladly be the crazy mom to drug test my kids if it saves their life i'm going for it uh, it also gives them an excuse if they're out with friends like hey listen i can't do it my mom drug tests me every week it gives them an out so so things like that i mean it's it's showing you care and then it's asking for help, realizing that myself as someone in prevention isn't the person to go to. It's someone who's in recovery. And even things like these vaping products are highly, highly addictive. So your student will be battling an addiction. They will have withdrawals. They will need help. They will need support. So picking a program where you can go with them and learn about it with them too. So you can be a good support system. Wow. You talked about being the person who wants to help folks with prevention. So what are, what are some programs or what are some avenues that adults can use to provide these prevention avenues? I, I'm thinking about the things that were started during the eighties, you know, the just say no campaigns and the, and all those types of dare programs and sad, and you know, for alcohol or mad even. Um, from mothers against drunk driving, students against drunk driving, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it elevated uh, the problem and the issue uh, visibly, made it more public, but did it really impact behavior? That I don't know that it did. I mean, I, I was a part of a, a, a student organization that partnered with SAD, Students Against Drunk Driving, and we built a billboard on the major road in our little country uh, area. There's you know, one major highway that went through that 90% of all cars in the area would have to do. We built a billboard for it, made a big deal. I don't know that that, you know, what were we doing? Were we changing behavior? So what are some prevention programs? What are some, what are some ideas that, that tangible ideas that they can do to really help make change and, and to, you know, change some behaviors? Yeah. Well, I'll, I, oh, we could talk all day about this, James. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to stick with some things that I think people could take action on right now, things they could do in the home, and then also give you a broader sense of the field if they want to get involved more. So the first thing to kind of address what you said, which is the, the just say no campaign and stuff, studies have shown that scare tactics, just say no, and these like fake car crashes and these really emotional experiences that are scary they don't actually change behavior. They, they might make you feel something in the moment. And especially as adults, we feel it because we have this fearful mindset. Uh, we don't want to lose things. 
Students don't think they're going to lose anything. They're, they're invincible if you ask them. Nothing's going to happen to them. So they will, they will laugh at some of these tactics. What the real core of prevention, drug prevention, is not saying, say no. It's what are you saying yes to? Hmm. Prevention is having something good to say yes to. So, all right, I'm not saying no to drugs. I'm saying yes to my amazing future that I want, those goals, great friends, an amazing life. Like we have to build up these students to become resilient to pressure, learning how to cope with anxiety and stress. So think about those reasons that they used. How do we build a confident student who is resilient, who can resist those things? So for you as if you're listening as a parent, as an educator, the, the top things that I would encourage you to do is number one, realize that a student's goals are going to be a protective factor. That's what it's called, a protective factor that helps them make good decisions instead of risky behaviors. And as a young person, think of it like this. If I have a goal of, let's say, playing in a professional sports league, as an adult, we might come in and say, oh man, that's a lofty thing. Like, do you know how many basketball players there are? We're going to try to protect, quote, protect that student from going for something big because they might get hurt, right? We want them to think about the plan B. What's the realistic thing? I would argue that that's one of the worst things that we can do for our students. If they say they want to play in the NBA, you know, it would be a great learning experience. What if you built up their belief and said, you know what? Shoot, there's 200 people in the NBA. I actually don't know the number, but there's this many NBA players right now. You're one person. Why can't you be that? Let's find out what they did, how they got there, and let's see if we can get you on that track. So instead of crushing their dreams and making them deal for something less, you say, yeah, let's achieve a high goal. And here's the secret. That goal that they have that is so audacious is going to be the one reason why they say no to drugs and say yes to that goal. So it's building protection around them. And I always, like whenever I'm doing community presentations or training parents and educators that work with students, it's like, be the student's biggest cheerleader. Don't, if you don't believe in them, that's going to internalize and they're going to believe less in themselves. Let's say they go after that goal and they fail. That's great. They learned about failure. They learned that it's essential for success. They climb that ladder and they're at the bet. They're at a better position than they were if they never went for it. So that's like number one, setting up that goal and then being a big, big cheerleader for your students. Don't play the realism card with them. Be a big cheerleader and then lay out the plan because odds are, you can't get to that goal if you are making tough decisions or risky decisions like using drugs and alcohol. It's not going to help. The great speaker, Zig Ziglar, who really developed a, probably one of the best goal setting formulas ever, said that the success of goals is not the achievement of the goal, but what you become by working towards that. Oh, I love that. And I've always thought that was so influential. I know I got that verbiage wrong on that statement but that's the essence of it it's not getting that goal. it's not maybe being that nba player it's what you become by being that you know trying for that yes because uh, all those athletes who tried so hard to do that and did not get the cup of coffee in in the professional sports realm are still highly successful most of the time in life um, there's a reason why like college athletes and those who have worked so hard 
are are highly sought after by the business world because they have developed things. They have learned to say no to things. They have learned to pick the uh, the best over the good. You know, the look long term and and not temporary. Yeah. Right. You have endurance, you have resilience, you can do tough things. You you're coachable. Mm -hmm. So you're going to listen to your boss. Like there's a lot of great things. Um, and I'll make the second one quick. Cause I think this is, this is really par paramount for adults. And we tend to do this wrong more than we do it right is we can model healthy coping behaviors. So the thing that we all know is kids want to be adults and as adults, we want to be kids again. Like it is, whenever I ask anybody, it seems like that's the posture. So uh, students are going to do what you do, not what you say. So if you model, hey man, Friday has been tough. I just need to get home and have a drink. I just need to get home and smoke. You're modeling that a healthy coping mechanism is going to a substance or a short-term escape instead of developing a skill set that can help you cope with your feelings and make you better. So one of the things I do in my presentations is I open up with a drum solo and I get the crowd like yelling and chanting and stuff. That's cool. And it demonstrates, yeah. And I use it as a teaser into my content because I'm demonstrating my coping strategy. If I'm having a bad day, if I need to cope or I'm feeling stressed, I'll get behind the drums or I'll just put in some, some music and just tap on my hands or my table or whatever. And it relaxes me. It's a coping skill. And it actually makes me better. Like I'm a better musician because when I'm stressed, I go to it. And so as an adult, when you are experiencing stress, anxiety, or these heavy feelings in front of your students, I would encourage you to actually say, oh man, I'm stressed. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to go take a run around the block quick. Or you know what? You're making me really angry right now. I'm going to take two minutes. I'm just going to go breathe. Uh, you know, walk around or get outside, whatever that healthy thing is for you that you like. I'm going to go play the instrument. I'm going to listen to a song. I'm going to come back and let's chat about this. Mm. So you're modeling the behavior that you want them to have versus the classic mix up, which is, oh, I'm stressed. Let's grab a beer. Like I, I hear so many people say that or wine, whatever it is. We are teaching the next generation that how you deal with it is with substances and then wonder why we have an addicted culture. Wow. All right, parents, are you feeling convicted yet on your behavior stuff? So. <laughs> I, and I thought when you were saying that, I was thinking of my own parents. My own parents were, were teetotalers and everything. Uh, they didn't do, so the way that they would, you know, have fun, enjoyed life was not going to a party or, you know, engaging in alcohol, bringing something in. It was engaging with their friends. Most of the time, their church community that they had, and lots of laughter, lots of games, lots of, you know, doing something together to enjoy stuff. And, and I mean, the most hardest core stuff that happened around there was sweet tea. Uh, that was, you know, <laughs> that was about as heavy as it got in, in my house. And not any kind of Long Island or Manhattan tea. I'm talking just straight Southern sweet tea with the sugar just pouring out of it. Uh, which might <laughs> which might open up a whole nother can of worms of why there's so many people in my my home community I grew up that are diabetic now, but you know at least <laughs> you have to pick your poisons on those, I guess. So, uh, well, what what is she said that you wanted to look at a bigger picture? What is the bigger uh, a bigger prevention type picture? Oh yeah, so if you're really interested in this topic, 
there are a few ways that you could get involved. And one is called the, they're called drug prevention coalitions. And they're basically these community groups that have said, we want to make an impact on reducing addiction. And the best way to do that and the most cost effective way is to work in prevention. And like we, we all know that if you start upstream, you can help the problem a lot further. So we need to start young. And so what these coalitions do is they bring in 12 sectors of the community. Think of things like schools, churches, businesses, nonprofits. So all of these people are coming together and you find a representative from each area and you meet. I don't know. It, it depends like how often you want to meet and you brainstorm since you know your community the best. You go through this process on how to figure out how can we actually prevent drug use. And it, it's not just about education sometimes. So a lot of these people will end up bringing in our company to go in and work with the schools and the students and to develop the youth presence in this, because that's one of the sectors that's really important, getting young people involved in the work because they care about what each other think, you know, a lot more than what they care about, you know, what the adults think about them. Right. They're influenced by their peers. So that's one of the factors and they'll get together and make plans. They're not just doing, you know, community events and education, but they're working on policy. How easy is it to access these drugs in our town? And can we change that through policy? How are we working with local businesses to make sure that it's healthy and safe place to grow up? And if you want to learn more about it, you can Google like drug prevention coalition and then your county or your city to see if there's one there. And if there's not, you can build one and you can actually get a government grant. There's this program called drug free communities and uh, or DFC, and they give out grants for up to 10 years and you get $125,000 per year to focus on this issue specifically in your community. And they have a ton of resources, conferences, trainings to help you do more. Um, and they're making moves. They're using the science of prevention on what does work in prevention and what doesn't work. And they're, they're measuring the reduction in their communities of drug use. It's, it's pretty amazing. I love how you're approaching this topic and, and the way that you're tackling these issues. We interviewed over 2,500 youth and asked them what their biggest problem were. Then we categorized them and it fell into one of three categories and you hit all three of those categories. The first one, the biggest one is they struggle with their identity, their self-image. The second one is they struggle with forming and, and understanding how to have effective relationships. That's peer pressure would fall under that. And the last one is the ability for them to find purpose in life and set goals towards those purpose. So, I mean, those are the three big issues that we see that we tackle. And you just said, hey, we need to address those if we want to address those problems. So it gives some more validity to this being you know, these problems that youth are encountering are not in silos. They're all interconnected. Yes. And if we can just get an understanding of what the basic issues are and, and those fundamental problems, we can help them more than just tackling symptoms. And, and I really love that it's not a symptom you're tackling. It's it's the core that you're tackling. Yeah. That the drug use is a, is a symptom of something else. And that speaks highly to, to the understanding that your organization has. And I, I really appreciate that outlook. Yeah. Well, and you hit it on the head too, is that your program and what you offer 
people might think like, oh, that's leadership, that's development, that's goal setting, which it is drug prevention. Mm-hmm. It's people like as a culture, it would really help if we began to understand that drug prevention is like the just say no message is not prevention. It's kind of like saying, hey, James, right now, do not picture a giraffe. A giraffe, don't you dare think about it. Like <laughs> our, our mind thinks in images. So now we're just thinking of a giraffe. Yeah, I've like thought of a, car- a cartoon giraffe, a, a picture of an actual giraffe in, in the wild. Yeah. I've had like four or five images of a giraffe coming through. And as I've tried to find <laughs> it, so it's not working. No, but I've said, hey, think of a hippo. Think of a hippo. You're oh, not yeah, thinking I'm about thinking a giraffe anymore. Now. So actually, yeah, I'm still so like, stuck on the Toys R Us giraffe is what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, so you like your program with leadership and helping students get the things that they want at a young age is building up prevention. Like it's something better. It's something better than than risking your life or taking the quick escape or the shortcut, which I think is incredible. I, I love what you guys are doing. So tell some of the, the things that, that your organization is doing and how our audience can engage in that and, and get more content from you. So what are you doing and where can they find it? Yeah, some of the really exciting things is we have a, a school assembly program. So we can go to your school, do a really fun, high energy drug prevention program uh, based on all the things that we've talked about today, that life is about developing skill sets, not taking shortcuts, Uh, showing students positive coping skills and encouraging them to throw drug free events for their own community. So it's not just a one and done. Like this is something that can build and build in your community to be a lasting change maker. Another thing that's really, really fun for people is because young people, they love being on social media. A lot of them are really, they want to become influencers. So we do a leadership training with them and then bring professional video and audio equipment so they can make positive messages to post on social media for their friends and their peers. So it's kind of this, this health promotion that goes along with drug prevention because those two are so tied hand in hand. And we're using student voices to do that. That's been really, really exciting, uh, which can go in partnership with the assembly program. And then the one of the newer ones is we've hosted our, our very first conference. And it's out in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm located. And yeah, our first one, we had over 100 students come to learn leadership skills in oh, wow. using positive social media presence, building your influence through public speaking and then hosting events to bring people together. And so that's kind of one of the things that if like you're like, hey, I wanna check this out and I wanna trip out of it, (laughs) you can come to Phoenix in December and come hang out with us. But that's kind of the core. We do have a curriculum that schools use that it's a social emotional learning tied with leadership and drug prevention. And so there's 18 lessons there that people can use. And if you want to stay in touch with us, the best way is we're always on like Instagram and TikTok posting videos. So you can look for us, Vive18. Uh, and then you can go to our website, vive18.com. And yeah, if you want to email me, jake at vive18.com. But we're always posting fun videos from our trips and student voices and encouragement around this topic. And listen, all the contact information for Jake and his his team are in the show notes. So if you're listening only, go to your app. You'll see it there. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Just look down. 
click down, there'll be a more button. Click it and you'll see all that information there uh, that they can connect with there. So Jake, thank you. Uh, thank you first for what you're doing and, and put it in light of, of prevention and not just working on a symptom, but really working on core issues that really speaks to us here at Generation Youth and, and what we're about and, and, and what uh, our mission is as well. So I really appreciate that. That shows some depth than some other programs, especially maybe some government-sponsored programs that are more on the back end of trying to do stuff. I really love that. So I thank you for that. Thank you for, thank, and thank you for being our guest today and connecting with us. Yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure, James. Appreciate you. And audience, thank you for sticking with us. Listen, if you've listened to us for almost 40 minutes, you've obviously found some value in this. You've obviously liked our conversation. So let's encourage you to like, share, and comment on this. Send it to someone because you know someone who needs to hear this message. You know someone who needs this content so that we can make a positive impact in the youth that we work with and the youth that you are in contact with daily. And we'll see you again very soon on a new episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it. Another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting. So keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.